0: Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us.
1: What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices.
0: Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA member FDSE. If you're struggling to lose weight, you've probably heard about weight loss medications like Wigovi or ZepBound. And you might be wondering if they're right for you. Meet Plush Care, a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. If you qualify, they can safely prescribe you medication from the comfort of your own home. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash
1: I'm Ted O'Connell, author of USMLE Step 2 Secrets and Chief Content Officer for Inside the Boards. This is the Step 2 Secrets podcast, where we provide you the high yield content from Step 2 Secrets in audio format, as well as question breakdowns so you can study on the go and get back
0: to reclaiming some of your life. Here's our question dissection for today. Hello, this is Patrick Beeman, host of the Inside the Boards podcast here with Dr. Ted O'Connell, author of Step 2 Secrets. This is the Step 2 Secrets podcast, generously sponsored by Elsevier, who provides content for us today. We're going through a question prior to getting into this chapter.
1: Okay, so as I introduce this question, I I think it's important uh, to state that dermatology is very difficult to do in audio format. This particular question has a photo associated with it. So, as I read this question, I'm actually going to describe the uh, the rash for the for our listeners. A 68-year-old man visits his primary care physician for a rash on his face, and increasingly noticeable burning and tingling began in the affected area two days prior to the appearance of the rash. He has no other complaints. Today, the patient appears as shown in the figure, and in the figure, what we see is an older gentleman with an erythematous vesicular rash on the left forehead and the left side of his nose with some associated left eyelid swelling. Then the question continues, the the remainder of the physical examination is normal. Acyclovir is prescribed to treat the condition, and which of the following is indicated as as an additional step in management of this patient? A, emergent computed tomography scan of the head, B, Foscarnet, C, oral prednisone, D, referral to an ophthalmologist, or E, varicellar zoster immunoglobulin. Patrick, do you want to take us through the uh, question choices and how you would approach this question?
0: Sure. Um, I think the first thing to note is that the answer choice here that has varicella zoster, varicella zoster immunoglobulin, that might be helpful in arriving at the diagnosis if you weren't sure from the picture of the dermatitis or um, the description that we're doing here. So this guy has herpes ophthalmicus. Is that the correct term? I believe so, right? That is,
1: that is correct, yeah.
0: We are asked which of the following is the next best step. Or additional step in the management of this patient. So A was a CT of the head. I would say I can immediately rule that out because I'm not seeing like significant neurologic symptoms in the the vignette. We do have like the the burning and tingling in the affected area, but no mental status changes. They don't tell us that he has uh, weakness in any of the muscles. I'm gonna nix A. B. Foscarnet is a treatment for CMV. C. was prednisone. I'm going to hold on to that one. And D. was referral to an ophthalmologist. I'm going to hold on to that one. And E. was VZV immunoglobulin. I want to rule that one out, but I don't know why. (laughs) Sometimes that happens on an exam. Referral to an ophthalmologist was D. You always hear in the forums and perhaps in review books that the answer is never referral. But I think this would be an exception that may prove the rule. I'd say referral to an ophthalmologist here because I'm pretty sure herpes infection of the eye, eye shingles, whatever you want to call it, is uh, threatening to sight. So I'm going to say referral here and not prednisone. That's actually correct, uh, Patrick. I would be willing to make a
1: generalizable statement that if you see something that looks like zoster on somebody's face, the answer almost always is going to be herpes ophthalmicus and or referral to an ophthalmologist. It's, it's just um, that straightforward. More specifically, though, is... That when the ophthalmic division of the trigeminal nerve, which is cranial nerve 5, is involved, this can result in very serious long-term sequela to the eye, such as keratitis and retinal necrosis that can lead to blindness. So if you see zoster on the tip of the nose or on the side of the nose, and I would even generalize and say anywhere around the eye, make sure that you get that patient op- off to an ophthalmologist to have a slit lamp examination and some expert input.
0: Well, let me ask you this. Is zoster just generally treated with your basic acyclovir, valacyclovir, famcyclovir, kind of what you do with, you know, your garden variety shingles?
1: Oh, absolutely. Zoster is treated
0: with the
1: antivirals that you mentioned uh, in an attempt to shorten up the course, shorten up the intensity of the infection, and ideally to decrease the possibility of post neuralgia.
0: All right, let's get into today's chapter then. This is Ted O'Connell, and this is the dermatology
1: chapter from USMLE Step 2 Secrets, 5th edition. Now clearly, this chapter is going to be heavily visual because of the photos involved with many of these conditions. So I'll encourage you to take a look through the book. But there's still a lot of really great information here, so we're going to do it verbally as well. So let's get started. Question one. Cover the two right-handed columns and define the following terms used in dermatology to describe skin findings. A macule is a flat spot less than one centimeter. It is non-palpable and is just visible. Examples include freckles and tattoos. A patch is the same as a macule but is over one centimeter. Examples include port wine birthmarks. A papule is a solid elevated lesion that is less than one centimeter and because it's elevated, it's palpable. Examples include warts, acne, and lichen planus. A plaque is the same as a papule, but is greater than one centimeter and is flat-topped. Examples include psoriasis. A nodule is a palpable solid lesion greater than one centimeter and not flat-topped. Examples include small lipomas and erythema nodosum. A vesicle is an elevated, circumscribed lesion less than 5 millimeters containing clear fluid, essentially a small blister. Examples include chicken pox and genital herpes. Bulla is the same as a vesicle but is greater than 5 millimeters. Examples include contact dermatitis and pemphigus. A wheel is an itchy, evanescent, transiently edematous area. Examples include an allergic reaction. Question 2. Define vitiligo. With what diseases is it associated? Vitiligo is characterized by well demarcated macules or patches of skin depigmentation of unknown etiology. It is an acquired condition that is associated with autoimmune diseases such as pernicious anemia, hypothyroidism, Addison disease, and type 1 diabetes. Patients often have antibodies to melanin, parietal cells, thyroid, or other factors. Question 3. Name several conditions to think about on the Step 2 exam in patients with pruritus. Think of serious conditions first, such as obstructive biliary disease, uremia, and polycythemia rubra classically seen after a warm shower or bath. Pruritus may also be caused by contact or atopic dermatitis, scabies, and lichen planus. Question 4. Define contact dermatitis. How do you recognize it? What are the classic culprits? Contact dermatitis is usually due to a type 4 hypersensitivity reaction, although it may also be due to an irritating or toxic substance. Look for a new exposure to a classic offending agent, such as poison ivy, nickel earrings, or deodorant. The rash is well circumscribed and occurs only in the area of exposure. The skin is red and itchy and often has vesicles or bullet. Avoidance of the agent is required. Patch testing can be done, if needed, to determine the antigen. Question 5. Define atopic dermatitis. What history points to this diagnosis? Atopic dermatitis is a chronic, allergic-type reaction that begins in the first year of life with red, itchy, weeping skin on the head, upper extremities, and sometimes around the diaper area. The clue to diagnosis is a family and or personal history of allergies, such as hay fever and asthma. The biggest problem is scratching the affected skin, which leads to skin breaks and possible bacterial infection. Treatment involves avoidance of drying soaps and use of antihistamines, moisturizing creams, topical steroids, and immune modulating agents such as topical pomecrolimus. Question 6 Define seborrheic dermatitis. What part of the body does it involve? How is it treated? Seborrheic dermatitis causes the common conditions known as cradle cap and dandruff as well as blepharitis, which is eyelid inflammation. Look for scaling skin with or without erythema on the hairy areas of the head, the scalp, eyebrows, eyelashes, mustache, and beard, as well as on the forehead, nasolabial folds, external ear canals, and postericular creases. Treat with dandruff shampoo, such as selenium or tar shampoo, as well as with topical corticosteroids and or ketoconazole cream. Question 7. Name the various dermatologic fungal infections, known as dermatophytosis, tinea, and ringworm. Fungal infections include the following, tinea corporis on the body and trunk. Look for red, ring-shaped lesions with raised borders that tend to clear centrally while they expand peripherally. Tinea pedis, or athlete's foot. Look for macerated, scaling web spaces between the toes that often itch and may be associated with thickened, distorted toenails, onychomycosis. It may be acquired from using locker rooms or swimming pools. Good foot hygiene is part of the treatment. Tinea unguia, or onychomycosis. Thickened, distorted nails with debris under the nail edges. Tinea capitis on the scalp, which mainly affects children and is highly contagious. They'll have scaly patches of hair loss and may have an inflamed, boggy granuloma of the scalp, known as a carrion, that usually resolves on its own. Tinea cruris, or jock itch, is more common in obese males. It's usually found in the crural folds of the upper inner thighs. There's an increased prevalence in patients with diabetes or other immunodeficiency. Question 8. What organisms cause fungal infections? Most fungal infections are due to trichophyton species. In Tinea capitis, if the hair fluoresces green under the wood's lamp, microsporum species is the cause. If not, it's probably trichophyton. Question 9. How are fungal infections diagnosed and treated? Formal diagnosis of any fungal infection can be made by scraping the lesion and doing a potassium hydroxide KOH preparation to visualize the fungus via microscopy or by doing a culture. Because they are so common clinically, empiric treatment without a formal diagnosis is common. But for the USMLE, get a formal diagnosis before treating. Oral antifungals must be used to treat tinea capitis and onychomycosis. The others can be treated with topical antifungals, such as the imidazoles, such as myconazole, clotrimazole, and ketoconazole, or griziofulvin, which is better for severe or persistent infections. Question 10. True or false, candidiasis is often a normal finding in women and children. True. Oral thrush, creamy white patches on the tongue, or buccal mucosa that can be scraped off is seen in normal children and candida vulvovaginitis is seen in normal women, especially during pregnancy or after taking antibiotics. However, at other times and in different patients, candidal infections may be a sign of diabetes or immunodeficiency. For example, thrush in a man should make you think about the possibility of AIDS, and recurrent vulvovaginal candidiasis should prompt screening for diabetes. Question 11. How is candidiasis treated? Treat with local-slash-topical nystatin or imidazoles, myconazole, or clotrimazole. Oral therapy with nystatin or ketoconazole is used for extensive or resistant disease. Question 12. What causes scabies? How do you recognize it? Scabies is caused by the mite Sarcoptes scabii, which tunnels into the skin and leaves visible burrows on the skin classically in the finger web spaces and flexor surface of the wrists. You should know what these burrows look like. Facial involvement is sometimes seen in infants. Patients also have severe pruritus, and scratching can lead to secondary bacterial infection. Rusted or Norwegian scabies typically occurs in patients who are immunocompromised, elderly, or living in institutions. In this form of scabies, there are hundreds to thousands of mites in the skin, as opposed to 15 to 20 with regular scabies. And this leads to a scaly rash or plaque, which may resemble psoriasis. Question 13. How do you diagnose and treat scabies? Diagnosis is made by scraping a mite out of a burrow and viewing it under a microscope, though it is often a clinical diagnosis. Treat scabies with permethrin cream applied to the whole body. Remember to treat all contacts, that is, the whole family. Do not use lindane unless permethrin is not an option. Lindane used to be the treatment of choice, but can cause neurotoxicity, especially in young children. Close contacts may also require treatment. A patient's clothing, bedding, and towels must be cleaned to prevent reinfection. Question 14. How do you recognize and treat tinea versicolor? Tinea versicolor, also known as pitoriasis versicolor, is usually caused by the Malassasia globosa fungus, presenting most commonly with multiple patches of various size and color, brown, tan, and white, on the torso of young adults. It often becomes noticeable in the summer because the affected areas fail to tan and look white. Diagnosed from lesion scrapings with KOH preparation. Treat with selenium sulfide shampoo or topical imidazoles. Question 15, what causes lice and how is it treated? Lice, pediculosis, can involve the hair of the head, caused by pediculosis capitis, which is common in school-aged children. It can occur on the body, caused by pediculus corporis, which is unusual in people with good hygiene, or in the pubic area, crabs, caused by thyrus pubis and transmitted sexually. Infected areas tend to itch. Diagnosis is made by seeing lice, live mites, or nits on hair shafts. Treat with permethrin cream, which is preferred over lindane because of lindane's neurotoxicity. And decontaminate sources of reinfection. That is, wash or sterilize combs, hats, bed sheets, and clothing. Question 16. What causes warts? How are they treated? Warts are caused by the human papillomavirus, HPV. They are infectious and most commonly seen in older children, classically on the hands. The most common serotypes are 6 and 11. Multiple treatments are available, including salicylic acid, liquid nitrogen, and curatage. Genital warts are also caused by HPV. Approximately 15 of the HPV serotypes are considered to be high-risk types for the development of cervical cancer. Serotypes 16 and 18 are associated with the majority of cases of cervical cancer. Number seventeen, define Molluscum contagiosum. How do you recognize it and how is it treated? Molluscum contagiosum is a pox virus infection that is common in children, but may also be sexually transmitted. Diagnosis is made by the characteristic appearance of the lesions, which are skin colored, smooth, waxy, dome shaped papules with a central umbilication that are roughly half a centimeter or by looking at the contents of the lesion, which includes cells with characteristic inclusion bodies. The usual treatment is freezing or curatage. Consider immunodeficiency if the lesions are giant or very diffuse. Question 18. True or false? A child with genital molluscum is probably a victim of sexual abuse. False. A child who has genital molluscum may or may not have contracted the disease from sexual contact. The more common mechanism is auto-inoculation, in which the child has a lesion on the hand that spreads to the genital area from scratching. Do not automatically assume child abuse, although it must be ruled out. Question 19. How is acne described in medical terms? What bacteria may be partially involved in its pathogenesis? The description of acne includes comedones, whiteheads or blackheads, papules, pustules, inflamed nodules superficial pus-filled cysts, and or possible inflammatory skin changes, including scar formation. Proprionobacterium acnes is thought to be partially involved in pathogenesis, as is blockage of pilosebaceous glands. Question 20. True or false, acne is not related to food, exercise, or sex? True. Acne has not been proven to be related to food, exercise, or sex. However, if the patient relates acne to a food, you can try discontinuing it. Cosmetics may aggravate acne. Question 21. What are the treatment options for acne? Treatment options are multiple. Start with benzoyl peroxide, then try topical clindamycin or topical tretinoin, either with or without an oral antibiotic, typically a tetracycline or erythromycin, for propionobacterium acne's eradication. Oral isotretinoin is the last resort. Although highly effective, isotretinoin is teratogenic. Pregnancy testing in women before and during therapy, as well as contraceptive use, is mandatory. In addition, it may cause dry skin and mucosa, muscle and joint pain, and liver function test abnormalities. Question 22. Define rosacea. In what age group is it seen? How do you treat it? Rosacea often looks like acne, but begins in middle age. Typically, patients present with facial erythema and flushing. There are numerous triggers for rosacea, including sun exposure, emotional stress, alcohol consumption, spicy foods, and hot weather. Also look for rhinophyma, a bulbous red nose, and coexisting blepharitis. Treat with topical metronidazole or oral tetracycline. The pathogenesis is incompletely understood. Question 23. What should you think about if hirsutism is described on the Step 2 exam? Hirsutism is most commonly idiopathic, but other signs of virilization, such as deepening voice, clitoromegaly, or frontal balding, suggest an androgen-secreting ovarian tumor. So check serum androgen levels. The most common cause of hirsutism in a female is polycystic ovary syndrome. Also consider Cushing syndrome and drugs such as minoxidil, corticosteroids, and phenytoin. Question 24. What are the common pathologic causes of baldness? Watch out for trichotillomania, a psychiatric disorder in which patients pull out the hair. The baldness is patchy and irregular. And also look for alopecia areata, which is idiopathic but associated with antimicrosomal and other autoantibodies. Baldness may also be seen in patients with lupus, erythematosus, or syphilis. And after cancer chemotherapy. Question 25. What causes ordinary male pattern baldness? Although the exact pathophysiology is still not clear, male pattern baldness is considered a genetic disorder that requires androgens for expression. Question 26. Describe the classic psoriatic lesion. Psoriatic lesions are classically described as dry, well-circumscribed, erythematous, silvery, scaling, papules, and plaques that are not boritic. Classic lesions are found on the scalp, lumbosacral region, intergluteal clefts, and extensor surfaces of the elbows and knees. Look for Auspitz sign, which is a small amount of bleeding when a psoriatic scale is scraped away. Question 27. What other historical points and physical findings may be seen with psoriasis? How is it diagnosed and treated? A family history of psoriasis is often present, and the disease mostly occurs in Caucasians with onset in early adulthood. Affected patients may have pitting of the nails and an arthritis that resembles rheumatoid arthritis but is rheumatoid factor negative. Diagnosis of psoriasis can often be made by appearance alone, but a biopsy can be used in doubtful cases. Treatment is complex but involves exposure to ultraviolet light, lubricants, topical steroids, and keratolytics, for example, coal tar, salicylic acid, and anthralin. Oral therapies may include immunosuppressive and immunomodulating drugs such as methotrexate, cyclosporin, and biologic agents. Question 28. Give the classic description and natural course of pitoriasis rosea. Pittoriasis rosea is typically seen in young adults. Look for a herald patch, a slightly erythematous, scaly, ring-shaped, or oval patch classically seen on the trunk, followed one week later by many similar lesions that tend to itch. Look for lesions on the back with a long axis that parallels the longer Han's skin cleavage lines, typically in a Christmas tree pattern. The condition usually remits spontaneously in about one month. Think about syphilis and the differential diagnosis. Treat with reassurance. Question 29. What are the four Ps that clinch a diagnosis of lichen planus? Peridic, purple, polygonal, papules or plaques, classically on the wrists and lower legs, usually of adults. Oral mucosal lesions with a whitish, lace-like pattern may also be present. These oral lesions must be monitored as they may increase the risk for oral cancer. Question 30. List the classic drugs that cause photosensitivity of the skin. Tetracyclines, phenothiazines, and birth control pills. Question 31. Describe the classic lesion of erythema multiform. What drugs classically cause it? Look for the classic target iris lesions. The classic cause is sulfa drugs or penicillins, but herpes infections may also cause erythema multiform, and some cases are idiopathic. In its severe form, erythema multiform is known as Stevens-Johnson syndrome, which is often fatal because of severe, widespread skin involvement. Patients with Stevens-Johnson syndrome are treated supportively with therapy similar to what a burn victim would receive, that is, wound care, fluid and electrolyte management, pain control, nutritional support, and monitoring for and treatment of superinfections. Question 32. Describe the classic lesion of erythema nodosum. With what diseases is it commonly associated? Erythema nodosum is an inflammation of the subcutaneous tissue and skin, classically over the shins. Look for tender, red nodules, sarcoidosis, coccidiomycosis, Or ulcerative colitis classically accompany this condition on the USMLE exam, though multiple other infections, such as streptococcal and tuberculous infections, and drugs such as sulfonamides, can also result in this finding. Treat the underlying disease and provide symptomatic therapies such as NSAIDs, leg elevation, and compressive bandages. Question 33 Define and describe Pemphigus vulgaris. How is it different from bolus pemphigoid? Pemphigus vulgaris is a potentially life-threatening autoimmune disease of middle-aged and elderly patients. It presents with multiple flaccid bullae, starting in the oral mucosa and spreading to the skin of the rest of the body. These bullae rupture easily. Look for a Nikolsky sign, which is sloughing and ulcerations that occur when minor pressure is applied to the skin. Biopsy can be stained for an antibody, an IgG antibody to Desmoglion-3, which is associated with desmosomes, and it also shows a lace-like or fishnet immunofluorescence pattern. Treat with oral corticosteroids. Bullus pemphigoid is a similar but milder condition that often presents as multiple tense bullae all over the body. Biopsy reveals a linear immunofluorescence pattern, a different antibody. And this condition is also treated with oral corticosteroids. Nikolsky sign is not present with bullous pemphigoid. Question 34. What skin disease is associated with celiac disease? How is it treated? Dermatitis herpetiformis is associated with celiac disease. Patients have intensely pruritic vesicles, papules, and wheels on the extensor aspects of the elbows and knees, and possibly on the face or neck. Look for diarrhea and weight loss due to gluten sensitivity. On biopsy, the skin has IgA deposits even in unaffected areas. Test for celiac disease and treat both conditions with a gluten-free diet. Question 35. What are decubitus ulcers? What is the best method of prevention? Decubitus ulcers, bed sores or pressure sores, are skin ulcers caused by prolonged pressure against the skin. The best treatment is prophylaxis. Periodic turning of paralyzed, bedridden, or debilitated patients, the populations in which they are most common, and use of special air mattresses prevents bed sores. Cleanliness and dryness also help to prevent decubitus ulcers. Periodic skin inspection makes sure that the problem is recognized early. When missed, the lesions can ulcerate down to the bone and become infected, possibly leading to sepsis and death. Treat major skin breaks with aggressive surgical debridement. If signs of infection are present, administer antibiotics. Question 36. How are decubitus ulcers staged? Stage 1 is intact skin with non-blanchable redness of a localized area. Stage 2 is partial thickness loss of the dermis, presenting as a shallow, open ulcer. These may also present as an intact or ruptured blister. Stage 3 is a full thickness tissue loss. Subcutaneous fat may be visible, but bone, tendon, or muscle is not exposed. Stage 4 is full thickness skin loss with exposed bone, tendon, or muscle. An unstageable ulcer has full thickness loss in which the base of the ulcer is covered with slough or eschar. The true depth of the ulcer cannot be determined until the slough or eschar is removed. Question 37. What conditions should excessive perspiration suggest on the USMLE? We all know people who sweat too much for no apparent reason. On the Step 2 exam, however, look for a serious cause such as a myocardial infarction, tuberculosis, or other infection, hyperthyroidism, or pheochromocytoma. Question 38. True or false, most melanomas start out as simple moles. True. Moles are common and benign, but malignant transformation is possible. The A, B, C, D, E characteristics of a mole that should make you suspicious of malignant transformation include A for asymmetry, B for borders that are irregular, C for color, a change in color or multiple colors, D for diameter, the bigger the lesion, the more likely that it is malignant, and E, evolution over time. Excise any mole or do a biopsy if the lesion is very large. If the mole enlarges suddenly, develops irregular borders, darkens or becomes inflamed, changes color, even if it is only one small area of the mole that changes color, if it begins to bleed, begins to itch, or becomes painful. Question 39. Define dysplastic nevi syndrome. How is it managed? Dysplastic neva syndrome is a genetic condition with multiple dysplastic-appearing nevi, usually more than 100 moles. Also look for a family history of melanoma. Treat with careful and regular follow-up, excision or biopsy of any suspicious lesions, avoidance of sun exposure, and sunscreen use. Question 40. Why is keratoacanthoma of note? Keratoacanthoma can mimic skin cancer, especially squamous cell cancer. Look for a flesh-colored lesion with a central crater that contains keratinous material, classically on the face. Keratoacanthoma has a very rapid onset and grows to its full size in one to two months, which almost never happens with squamous cell cancer. The lesion involutes spontaneously in a few months and requires no treatment. If unsure, the best step is a biopsy, but choose observation as the answer in patients with a classic history of keratoacanthoma. Question 41. When and where are keloids seen? Keloids are overgrowths of scar tissue after an injury and extend beyond the margins of the original wound. They are seen most frequently in African Americans. They are usually slightly pink and classically appear on the upper back, chest, and deltoid area. Also look for keloids to develop after ear piercing. Do not excise these lesions because it may worsen the scarring. Question 42. Describe the classic lesion of basal cell cancer. What should you do if you suspect it? Basal cell cancer classically begins as a shiny papule on a skin-exposed area. The head is classic. And it slowly enlarges and develops an umbilicated center with pearly borders and later may ulcerate and bleed easily. And it also has peripheral telangiectasias. Like all skin cancers, sunlight exposure increases the risk. It is more common in elderly, light-skinned people. Treat with excision. Biopsy any suspicious skin lesions in the elderly. Question 43. True or false? Basal cell skin cancer almost never develops metastases. True. However, it may be locally invasive and destructive. Question 44. From what lesion does squamous cell cancer classically develop? What is Bowen disease? Squamous cell cancer often develops in areas with pre-existing actinic keratoses hard, sharp, red, often scaly lesions in sun-exposed areas, or in areas of burn scars. Lesions become nodular, warty, or ulcerated. Do a biopsy if such transformation occurs. Squamous cell cancer in situ is known as Bowen disease, and lesions are typically well demarcated. Although metastases are rare in squamous cell cancer, they occur more frequently than in basal cell cancer. Question 45. To what parameter is the prognosis of a malignant melanoma most closely related? The thickness or depth of the tumor. The 10-year survival rate decreases as the thickness of the tumor increases. Tumors less than 1 millimeter thick have the best prognosis. Question 46. What type of melanoma do black patients tend to develop? How do you recognize it? Although uncommon in blacks, melanoma tends to be of the acrolentigenous type. Look for black dots on the palm or soles or under the fingernail that start to change in appearance or cause symptoms. Question 47. Describe Paget disease of the breast. What is its significance? Paget disease of the breast presents as a unilateral, red, oozing, or crusting nipple in an adult woman that fails to respond to typical dermatology treatments. Though rare, it signifies an underlying breast cancer, usually invasive ductal carcinoma or ductal carcinoma in situ, with extension to the skin. Question 48. Define stomatitis. What does it suggest? Stomatitis is an inflammation of the mucous membranes of the mouth. The classic finding is fissuring of the corners of the mouth called angular stomatitis for deficiencies of B-complex vitamins, riboflavin, niacin, and pyridoxine, or vitamin C. That's the end of this chapter. A big thank you to Elsevier Incorporated, my publishing company behind USMLE Step 2 Secrets, for allowing us to put out this book in audio format. Please check out the other Inside the Boards podcasts over at insidetheboards.com, including the main Inside the Boards podcast and the Inside the Boards Study Smarter series for question breakdowns and tips on getting through medical school. And with that, we wrap up today's episode of USMLE Step 2 Secrets. Hi, this is Ted O'Connell. I just wanted to let you know real quick that when the time comes for you to begin studying for the USMLE Step 3, we actually now have a USMLE Step 3 subscription podcast. So I encourage you to check that out over at medpreptogo.com. We have sample episodes available. And even if you're studying for Step 2, you may actually find some of this content uh, really useful for your studies. So please do check it out.